0: or by emailing him, michael.chapman, at ivf.com.au.
1: Today what we're going to talk about is what to expect in an IVF cycle. So you've been through the various investigations, and your specialist has decided that now is the time to move on to IVF. I suppose my first question is, are you sure that is the next step? I do have concerns at times that people are moving on to IVF when lesser therapies may produce success, but we won't go there today. Let's just assume it's the right thing for you to be going forward. The doctor at his consultation hopefully has gone through in some detail what an IVF cycle is going to involve and we'll be also giving you the various consent forms that we require before we proceed to treatment. These look very complicated, they're actually quite simple, but they are attempting to cover off issues that may arise in the future in relation uh, to complications of treatment and of what will happen to the eggs and sperm and embryos into the going forward into the future. These are essential because there have been cases of legal wrangles, uh, particularly in America, over who owns what. Anyway, read through the consents and take your time with them. Don't sign them immediately. Take them home. Have a look at them. Having signed the consents, you will then be told that uh, the next stage for you is when your period starts. And you will, at that point, be ringing the nursing staff in the clinic that you are having a period, and therefore it's a sign of the beginning of the cycle. The cycle, in most cases, at least in Australia, what we call short cycles, using an antagonist to suppress ovulation. After you've collected your drugs, and most people have a blood test done on the first day to make sure that all the hormones are at a baseline, that you'll be given orientation as how to use the injections. They're very straightforward. Almost all the injections are just under the skin, in your tummy, using a very tiny needle like diabetics do three times a day. The nurses will tell you when to start and what dosage of drug the doctor has ordered. About five days into the process, you'll either have a blood test or you will start using the second injection. Now, the first one was the FSH injection, which is to stimulate eggs to grow, to override the natural process that produces one egg a month. These injections are at a dose that hopefully produce something between 8 and 12 eggs by the time we come to collect. That's the goal uh, that we work on in terms of selecting the dose. Those injections have no uh, side effects other than as your ovaries grow there may be discomfort in the pelvis because we're moving the ovaries from being something the size of an almond to something the size of a mandarin or even an orange. Now on that fifth day that I mentioned before, you'll start the second injection, which is called the antagonist. It's again, it's a daily injection and they can both be done at the same time and that will carry on probably for another five or six days. A blood test is then arranged to see that your hormone levels are rising appropriately that may be accompanied by a scan depending on the levels of hormones. By day eight or nine of the cycle, we'll, you'll certainly be having an ultrasound first thing in the morning and what the uh, nurses will be doing, is or the doctors who are doing the scan, we're doing is looking at the number of follicles. Those follicles are what contain the egg and obviously the more follicles there are, and the larger they are, the better. At the time of the scan, I'm sure that the person doing the scan will talk to you about what they're seeing. At the beginning of a cycle, those follicles are only two or three millimeters across. By day eight, they'll be somewhere between 10 and 15 millimeters across, around about a centimeter across. The medications will continue on a daily basis. Those two injections I talk about probably for another two or three days when you'll have another scan and a blood to monitor the progress. By about day 10 of the cycle, the follicles should be getting close to or be at a stage where they are mature, that they'll contain an egg that will respond to the final injection, what's called the trigger injection. That injection is specifically to mature the eggs, moving their genetic makeup from uh, six chromosomes to 23 chromosomes, ready for fertilization. That trigger injection is given at a very precise time, a time that you'll be told by the nursing staff. The other injections the two that you've been having through the first 10 or 12 days of the cycle. Generally, we suggest taking them in the evenings on a regular basis, but timing is not vital. An hour here or there makes no difference. However, for the trigger injection, we want it to be 36 hours before we do the egg collection. The reason for that is if it's any longer than 40 hours, you may ovulate yourself and we lose all the eggs. So to be on the safe side, we go in at about 36 hours. So if it's a Wednesday and the eggs are ready, the operation to collect the eggs will happen on a Friday. And if the operation was planned for eight o'clock on Friday morning, you would have the trigger injection Pregnal or Ovidril at eight o'clock tonight on Wednesday. To forget to do that or to miss it out by hours can totally destroy the cycle. So it's something that's very important to get right both in terms of the timing and the injection itself. On the morning of the procedure, you'll go to the unit where the collection can take place. Now that can be either under a general anesthetic or under sedation, it depends on the clinic that you go to. Have your medications to uh, relax you and then be put onto an operating table, your legs will go up in the air and using a transvaginal probe, which is what we use to monitor the cycle earlier in the days before this procedure, the same type of transvaginal probe is used to localize the ovaries and The ultrasound tells us where to put the needle to suck out the fluid in each of the follicles. The fluid is then handed in the theatre to a scientist who looks under the microscope to find the egg. In each good-sized follicle, which are now around about 18 to 20 millimetres in diameter, in each of those follicles there's about an 80% chance of finding an egg. So if overall you've got 12 follicles, expect to get around 10 eggs. In older women, unfortunately, good-sized follicles don't necessarily mean there are eggs of a mature stage present. So the success rate in sucking out eggs in a woman over 40 is less than when she's 30. Then you'll be put in recovery. That procedure, in fact, takes about 20 minutes usually sometimes longer sometimes shorter depending on the number of eggs. You'll sit in recovery for an hour or so to make sure there are no problems and then you'll be able to go home. That day your partner will have produced his sperm sample and that will be processed in the laboratory and that afternoon the eggs and the sperm will be put together. The standard is that the following morning the scientist will ring you and say how many of those eggs are fertilised. When we get 10 eggs from a patient, we expect six to seven of them to fertilise by the next morning. 60 to 70% fertilisation rate is what's felt to be average around the world. The reason for non-fertilisation generally relates to the quality of the eggs. When we get 10 eggs, there'll be two or three uh, of poorer quality. The egg that's fertilised will then be put into an incubator and it will carry on growing and today most clinics are growing them for five days to what's called the blastocyst stage. The blastocyst has the highest chance of success but the number of blastocysts that form from the original 7 out of 10 that fertilized is obviously less than if we put them back on day 3. Many of the day 3 embryos won't ever grow to blastocyst, but they probably wouldn't have grown inside you either So putting them back on day five has become the standard. After the egg collection, some women feel some discomfort over the first 24 hours or so, because the needle going into the ovary is certainly not without discomfort. There can be a little bit of bleeding from the ovary, and in rare cases, quite substantial bleeding into the abdominal cavity. The blastocyst on day five is transferred a bit like having a pap smear. Again, your doctor will be performing the procedure. You will be on a couch with your legs in the air, uh, like having a pap smear. He'll put a speculum, that metal instrument, inside the vagina to localize the cervix, the neck of the womb, and through the neck of the womb, he'll pass a catheter to place the embryo halfway up the uterine cavity. Ultrasound is often used to ensure that it's in the right place that procedure takes around about 10 minutes. After the procedure, really you can do anything you like. There's no evidence that lying down or putting your legs in the air makes any difference whatsoever to the outcome. Once the embryo's nestled between the front and the back wall of the uterus, nothing is gonna move it. 10 days later, you'll know whether you're pregnant or not. During that time, uh, you will be prescribed medication to support the lining of the womb. That's generally progesterone given into the vagina either by a gel, a tablet or a pessary. Some people just have injections three times during that period after the egg collection through to the pregnancy test. The pregnancy test obviously is a big day and we generally do the test first thing in the morning and by early afternoon, the nurses or your doctor will be calling you with the result. At that point, obviously there will be disappointments and there will also be obviously excitement if there's a positive result so if the result is positive you will carry on with a normal pregnancy and if the result is negative then almost certainly your doctor will make an appointment for you to come back and see him to discuss perhaps why or why not it didn't work when we go through the cycle what i've come to know is that people's expectations change dramatically. If I'm talking to a 35 year old woman at the beginning of the cycle and I tell her that she's got a 40% chance of falling pregnant, almost certainly they'll think it's 100%. And so everything from there on is geared around a positive outcome. The various points of disappointment can come if early on in the cycle, The ovaries don't respond to the medication and there are very few follicles or no follicles. The cycle would generally be abandoned and a different dose of drug used next time. The next point for disappointment uh, potentially is when you get to the egg collection and the number of eggs is substantially less than we predicted on the basis of the number of follicles. That is usually related to defective eggs And and follicles is much more common in older patients where we get a low number of eggs despite good numbers of follicles. We get eggs and you're very, very happy. And again, the expectation is you have a 100% chance of getting pregnant. And then you might get rung the next morning to say that fertilization hasn't occurred at all, or maybe there's very low numbers of eggs have been fertilized. That is obviously a big disappointment. By day five, you may end up with no blastocysts. Again, uh, having got all the way down the track with good numbers of eggs, good fertilization, not getting a blastocyst can be extremely disappointing. That's very uncommon if you get good numbers of eggs, but it does happen. And obviously the biggest disappointment of all is that having gone through the cycle, having got eggs, having got fertilization, having got a blastocyst, we get to the day of the pregnancy test and it's negative. Picking women up, or their husbands as well, on that day after that disappointing news is probably the hardest part of my job. But that's unfortunately what IVF is all about. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu.